We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program Tierra Scovey and Jordan Johnson Hines of NBC's Nurses. Guys, thanks for calling. How are you? We're doing good. We're doing doing good, brother. All right. So let's kind of go really quickly into specifically enough the premise of Nurses. Tierra, tell us a little bit about it. So Nurses is a show about five rookie nurses who are, you know, starting their medical careers at a busy downtown Toronto hospital um, while struggling to take care of themselves and navigate their own personal lives. It really shows the ins and outs of what it means to be a nurse. Uh, It shows the full scope of, you know, how above and beyond nurses go and how they care. Um, as well as diving into the personal life and, and each character's background and how they navigate their relationships with each other and, and their careers. And, and it's unique in that it focuses on the nurses um, who usually are in the background right. of these major medical shows. It's about the everyday heroism and the humanity that nurses bring to the floor every single night. And I think that's so important to look at because it's not just the the doctors, it's not just everyone involved, it's an entire team, and the nurses are a lot of times on the front lines in so many ways, especially with COVID-19, understanding that this was shot before uh, COVID-19, Tierra. It's, uh, it's really good to give a shout-out to those nurses that are really helping uh, help save lives every day. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we're all so excited that this, show is coming out when it is because we really we really feel like nurses deserve the spotlight that they're they're getting right now it it also still emphasizes like the crucial role that the nurses play whether before the pandemic on like a normal day you know they they still like we showcase that in in season one for sure and i think it's so important so tiara tell us about your character so I play Grace Knight. Grace is, um, you know, she's one of the nurses who comes in who has worked in the medical field before. Um, she had a really traumatic experience happen at her previous hospital, and she's looking for a fresh new start. She is then confronted with this past and is forced to kind of, you know, deal with it head on. And you kind of get to see her navigate, you know, this new hospital what it means for her to be a good nurse, this this past coming up and, and her relationship with the other nurses and trying to um, use them as support to help navigate this, this crazy world. And she's the kind of nurse that no matter what is going on for her in a day-to-day life, she is always, always going to put her patients first and make sure that they get the best care that they possibly can. Okay, how about your character, Jordan? Uh, Keon was a star football player uh, who injured an opponent on the field, um, and he decided during that time to devote his life to helping people instead of pursuing stardom. And as the season progresses, uh, he faces challenges that he never expected to have, especially outside of the, you know, like the football field, which is like the the hard, the hardest like hitting sport out there, you know. But uh, it's it's eye opening to see the parallels that he's drawing from from the football field and he's using it, you know, now in his new work environment Um, and he's learning from the environment, his patients and his coworkers. And I think that's that's a great thing to show, especially people's second career after. I mean, their, their career, their focus was completely on on football and then they turned to medicine and turned to this opportunity to help others and. Absolutely. Now, Tiara, what do you think you've learned most about nurses that you didn't know before doing the show? Uh, 
that, you know, when you're not in a hospital and you're not, you're not getting the care of a nurse, from the outside, it can seem like a lot of it is just medical. What I learned is that it goes so much beyond that. A nurse is, you know, a big part of their job is being emotional support is, is helping people navigate their treatments and their diagnosis and then their families and, and, you know, every scenario that's going on while they're, they're going through extremely hard times. I don't think I quite realized the depth that nurses go and how above and beyond they're willing to go to make sure that their patients are, you know, taken care of physically as well as emotionally. How about you, Jordan? What did you learn? Good question. Um, I just learned that next time I think I'm going through something in my life, like, and I get to go to bed at night, just know that there are people in this world, not just nurses, but frontline workers, first-line responders, you know, the Army, you know, anybody that's that's fighting for us or fighting for people to save lives. But obviously, in this case, it's nurses. I realized, like, man, just calm down. Like, you need to humble yourself because these people are, are the true heroes. And not all heroes have capes, you know. And I think during this pandemic, <clears throat> that was on full display because we all noticed it. And it's you, you can't deny it, you know. When everyone's at home, like, locked down, who's out there saving lives and, and it kind of puts you, it kind of puts you in your, your place and, and you just realize, man, I'm grateful that we have people like this that we can lean on in times of, of struggle. All right. So everyone needs to tune in Monday, 10 PM Eastern on NBC to nurses and guys, thanks again for calling. And I want to give a great shout out also to all the frontline workers, especially in healthcare that are saving lives and protecting us each and every day. Thanks again, Tierra, for coming by and Jordan. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right. Take care. All right. See you guys. All right. Bye. You listen to Neil Haley's show and we'll be back in just a moment. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rob Roselli Show. And I'm excited to welcome the program, Rob Roselli. Rob, how are you? I'm good, Neil. How are you? Hey, it's what what is happening with this whole uh, Trump trying to 
uh, all the lies of the election and that all the fraud and trying to get through this, it's pretty crazy. Well, I think crazy is the, the operative word here. And, and I think what we maybe need to do this week is just take, take a step, take a step back and look at this view from 10,000 feet and see what's going on here in the world. And, and you could see the overall trend is that the world is going in this country in particular is, is essentially going insane. Okay. Um, no, just just look at it in the aggregate. You have the election insanity that you just mentioned. I mean, you have lawsuits flying back and forth across. You know, Texas now is, is getting in on the action, going directly to the Supreme Court. Um, you have some people saying Trump should declare martial law and redo the election under military inspection and oversight. So you have that crowd. Um, you have the whole vaccine situation that we talked about last week. Um, and again, do not take this vaccine. It's a genetic altering vaccine. And we talked about the, the precedent, what I believe is the, the, the preseason to what's going on with this whole COVID thing. And that was the AIDS virus back in the, going back to the mid, mid 1980s. Okay, you have food lines all over this country. You have people literally lining up food banks or, are overwhelmed, okay? Because the economy is not as good as the stock market would indicate. The stock market is, is, is detached from reality, okay? It's just billionaires at a casino, okay? But middle America, middle-class America is getting pounded still, okay? And we're seeing this in food lines all over the country. All right, then you have China infiltrating our politics, okay? That's all over the news now. Politicians in our politics, and apparently they have a direct link to these Dominion voting machines, so they have a direct influence on our election, not to mention their influence on, on Twitter and, and Facebook and, and things like that. Okay. Um, and then you have this the COVID virus, of course, which nobody really knows anything about. I mean, it, it keeps it keeps changing. Oh, the only thing that's certain of it is that they want to vaccinate everybody, like I just mentioned, okay? But apparently it's no worse than a real bad seasonal flu, but politicians are using it as an excuse to lock down restaurants and, 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 and basically just lock down people in general. It, they, they politicize the virus to, to, to a very real extent. Okay, we talked about the national debt several times a few weeks back and the exploding national debt and how we're going into debt several billion dollars a day. And it's just not a sustainable situation. So I think what we need to do um, is take is just take a step back and look at the insanity that this nation is careening towards. And there is a movie out by Stephen King, a short story in a movie called Needful Things. And I highly suggest people watch that movie or if they get their hands on the short story, because that really describes the situation, I believe, like none other. Okay. And basically what it is, is, you know, a guy just like Barack Obama, you know, a guy with charisma, tall, skinny, pulls into town by the name of Leland Gaunt. And basically he drives the whole place insane. He's got, he's got the whole population playing off against each other until eventually the whole thing pops and the whole the whole town goes insane. And of course, Leland Gaunt, kind of representative of the devil, obviously, kind of slips away after all the chaos that he's caused. 
and I even have a link on my, or I did have a link on my website, but they took the video down of that movie. Um, and I think that's basically where we're going. So you really, you know, again, this is why I emphasize, you know, my website, boxofsunglasses.com, and God's simple salvation plan, because that's really the only solution yeah, at this I mean, point. I don't believe. You're just, you've given a laundry list of things going on. The shutdowns now, I mean, I know where you're located. They're starting to shut down. We have decided to shut down everything. It's just going to put everyone in the financial ruin in the specific industries, put everyone at home and start it all over again. And then Biden comes in if President-elect Biden is President-elect Biden and then basically shut every, the whole country down. It's crazy. Yeah, crazy is the operative word, and 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 don't forget. I mean, that, that's a whole other ingredient that we have to throw into this this bowl of madness. We'll call it. Um, is that you know probably half the country isn't going to whoever whoever the president whoever wins, okay, quote wins this election, be it Biden or Trump, half the country is not going to consider that person a legitimate president. So. Right off the bat, I mean, we're staring down the, the barrel of, a, of some kind of civil disobedience, if not outright civil war. So you have that whole kind of um, uh, breakdown going as well as, you know, in addition to everything, I, everything else I just mentioned. So, you know, again, the view from 10,000 feet is, is not good when you look at everything and you stop looking at these things independently or another analogy would be, you know, looking at the forest, you know, through all the trees. Okay. We're looking at these individual trees, you know, individual news stories, but you really need to get above it and look down and, and see where this is all going. And again, it's all going towards uh, some kind of climax. The whole thing is just going to pop, you know, now whether it pops at once or, you know, pops in very short sequences, I, I don't know, but it is going to pop, and then we're going to have some real. Then you're going to have insanity, okay? And the whole country is going to break down. Um, don't forget, you know, there's there's serious repercussions to what I'm saying. Now you have to wonder, well, who's who's really going to be the commander in chief? I know there's people talking about, exactly. you know, splitting the country down, red and you know, red and blue, and splitting the country in half. Well, that's great, but then who controls the military? Who controls the nuclear arsenal? And don't forget. You know, the Russians and the Chinese are watching this thing very closely as to what's going to go on here. And that's going to kind of segue into my next my next week's show. And that's the United States as the mystery Babylon of Revelation 17 and 18. And I don't really want to get into that right now. But I did post a um, an ebook on my website called Mystery Babylon USA that, that goes into that in great detail. Because we are in the times, we are in end times in biblical prophecy and, and well into the book of Revelation. Okay, and unfortunately, I think many people, many people's interpretation of Revelation, they take it little, way too literally. And I think Revelation is meant to be much more symbolic, um, which, which makes sense, okay, in light of everything that we're talking about. So in other words, uh, for example, uh, many people in Revelation are saying, well, we can't have an Antichrist until Israel comes and rebuilds the third temple. Then Antichrist has to occupy the third temple. Um, look, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if people 
people think that I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that to that theory. I mean, if Israel even tried such a thing, I mean, that would be start World War III between them and the Arab world right then and there. So I, I don't see that happening. You know, that's an example of the literal interpretation of the Bible that I don't believe necessarily needs to happen. And there's a host of other examples, but and that's way too deep to get into in, in you know in, in, a, in a short in a short time that we have together. But suffice it to say that what people in this country need to be concerned about, in my opinion, is the identity of Mystery Babylon, which is chapters 17 and 18 of Revelation, which I have no doubt in my mind is the United States. Right. And that does not right. bode well for the future so, of this so country. It's but, basically end times is first the united states end times which you've been prophesizing for the last eight to ten years uh rob with me and now it's all coming to fruition because you feel even if the courts don't work out the supreme court throughout pennsylvania i'm sure that that was just one specific case right and those keep going to that final date which is december 14th and if this election is not certified or it goes to the Supreme Court or something crazy like this, chaos is going to happen. But if President-elect Biden becomes president on January 20th, you feel that there's going to be a, uh, a revolution on the other side? Yeah, I I'm saying either way this election goes, at this point, with the fractionalization of what's happened in this this country, I mean, we're we're, we're split into very you know red and blue factions or whatever you want to call it. I'm saying you're going to have civil disobedience, if not outright civil war, no matter who quote wins the presidency. There's no way the Trump people are going to look at all the shenanigans and all the cheating, you know, China with the influence over the Dominion voting machines, um, you know, and on and on with that. And all this shenanigans in these swing states, you know, with man, with the mail-in ballots and ballots coming in at you know two in the morning and this sort of thing. There's no way people, the Trump people, are going to support a Biden presidency. And if Biden, if Trump somehow prevails, the Biden people are going to say, well, Trump just Trump won the, the election in the courts. He didn't win it, and you know, Biden had already won the popular vote or, or the electoral vote. And, course that's all a sham as we just mentioned but it's not going to matter in their minds biden is the president that would, be, that would, that would be that would be chaos beyond belief so either way we are in big time so box of sunglasses.com rob right box of sunglasses let me just say this mm -hmm. let me let me just say one 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 more thing real, real quick neil and you know and biden's pick for uh health and human services is a guy that is pro at birth abortion which essentially is infanticide. It's basically murder. So in other words, you can have a you can have a live baby be born and that baby be aborted. That's how radical that that's you know Biden, the so-called Catholic or so-called Christian. Um, that's the kind of people he's bringing into his administration if his administration is in fact uh, sworn in on January twentieth. But um, anyway, I didn't mean to cut you there. But that's just another thing to think about. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, Rob, well, well, let's get it going and uh, see what happens next week. And we're really by the time we talk next week, we will have an answer, right? Because we'll be through December 14th. It'll be December 16th. And we will know 
if the truth comes out or not? Well, we'll certainly know a lot more. Um, but technically, I, I don't think the election needs to be decided until January 20th. I mean, so there's, there would still be time after that. But yeah, a lot's going to happen in the next week. And and of course, don't forget, you know, boxesunglasses.com, God's Simple Salvation Plan, and, and, the, and my books that are available on there, The Un-American Genocidal Complex, which discusses the precedent to the COVID, this COVID madness, which is the AIDS virus back in the 80s. And my other two books are available there as well. We can discuss those on future shows. But anyway. All right, Rob. Well, we know where we're at. We know we're in lockdown again, and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, Rob. All right, Neil. Thanks. All right, guys. This is Rob Roselli's show. Take care. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download celebrity slots today. everyone and welcome to the special simulcast of the neil haley show and freedom from addiction truth just below the surface and i'm excited to welcome the program my co-host reverend Wynn henderson md when how are you and uh as i said before i'm dealing with some stuff here in pennsylvania we're about to shut down again and it really doesn't matter it's not really a big deal but it's really horrible for the economy yeah that, that's right and uh, there's so many reasons why we should not go to this draconian type of, of thing that's happening with shutting down and forcing people to stay at home and all that kind of stuff. But we can talk about that on another program. Okay, we have a great guest again, so introduce our guest. Yeah, our guest today is uh, Dr. Mark Hayden. He's a medical doctor, a licensed physician, graduated from a class A medical school, meaning the University of Alabama School of Medicine, and he's a scientific medical researcher. We've had him on the show several times in the past, and I would recommend that you uh, come back to his previous shows and listen to them because they are very good. Today's show is what plan is better than the current RNA vaccines. And uh, Marcus, nice to have you back with us. It's great to be here. Okay, so I'm going to uh, start off by saying that the RNA vaccines, and there are a couple of them that are rapidly getting ready to come onto the market, are problematic in certain ways. And in the past, you have recommended oral inoculation, which has better uh, theoretical uh, uh, things in 
reference to the RNA vaccine. So could you um, kind of not, not go into the detail that you went into before, but summarize for the people the difference between uh, oral inoculation and this intramuscular RNA vaccine? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, first of all, we have to look at how the, uh, that the goal of inoculation is really to protect us from future disease. We have two goals. Number one, to protect ourselves from future disease, the person who's inoculated. And number two is to uh, prevent that from being transmitted to other people. Now, one of the things that comes up is to prevent it from being transmitted to other people, we have to look at how that virus is transmitted. And to be real simple, we have to imagine it growing in our lungs. Our lungs have a very large surface area, almost, I think it's like 200 square yards or 200 square meters. And that's so that we can absorb oxygen. Well, they're very thin so that they can absorb oxygen. And yet that is a large surface area that if that virus gets there and begins to grow, uh, it can be, if we speak or make noise, we can vibrate it and it will become an aerosol. So we know that it really spreads as a respiratory virus. Now, most of the coronaviruses were also enteric too. In other words, they infected the intestinal tract. But in reality, we've never seen a single person, a single human being, get a respiratory infection from another person's stool, even though it is in the stool and you can measure it in the stool. That's just not the way it's transmitted. I remember, you know, years ago, HIV was, hey, you people were worried about getting it off the toilet seat. You don't get it off the toilet seat. You only get coronavirus when people speak and, and it goes through the air. So right now, the intramuscular vaccines produced serum blood stream, IgA and IgG, but they were never shown to produce mucosal IgA that would protect the lungs. And so what we came out with this word that was suddenly called effective. You remember hearing that? Hey, guess what? It's 90% effective. You heard that, hadn't you, Wynn? Of course. And that's like, well, let's get specific. What do you mean by effective? They didn't come out and, and say that. What they really meant by that is it would reduce the death rate of the person who was infected, the probability of death, by about 90% or 95%. But is that stopping that person from being able to spread? They hadn't even mentioned that. They didn't say it was effective at stopping that person from being able to spread. And so really when they, when the uh, Pfizer's vaccine comes out and says, hey, it's an RNA vaccine. It's never, we don't know the long-term and medium-term side effects. We're gonna give it to a high-risk crowd that has a high mortality rate because of their age. 
And hey, guess what? Fewer of those percentage of people will die. And on the surface, that seems pretty reasonable. I mean, you know, in a very high risk groups, people that are 90 years old, people in a nursing home and nursing home patients only have two or three years of life expectancy. So, you know, that seems fairly reasonable that if somebody has a very short life expectancy, do they really even have to worry about long-term side effects? Not as much as somebody might have five or 10 years of life expectancy. So Pfizer is, is really getting targeted primarily to the high risk groups as a messenger RNA uh, vaccine. And that is what we're seeing. And really Pfizer, the media loves to send that message out that, hey, guess what? Wall Street has figured it all out. They're, Wall Street's gonna save us. Uh, let the stock market go up and, and hey, Pfizer, the big company has saved us all, but that, that's not the case. They don't have anything effective right now at preventing that person who's 90 years old or a nursing home patient from spreading it to their next door, to the person right next to them. And um, so we don't have a safe, effective vaccine for people that are 30 and 40 years old. And uh, I certainly hope they don't start experimenting with messenger RNA uh, Pfizer vaccine on middle-aged people or younger people. So that's that would be uh, a whole different ballgame than using it on these high-risk people with very short life expectancies. Well, um, wow. Moderna, the results of their clinical studies are not final until late in 2022. Yes. So and we don't need- really know about you, safety issues. You got that right on the head. And if you remember when Moderna came out uh, back in March and April and May of this year, you know, they came on TV and said, we're going to have enough. We can make billions and billions of doses. And then Moderna comes out and says, oh, oh, by the way, we won't finish our studies for what, another year or two years. That's really Moderna's way of creating an excuse of not having a safe, viable, effective vaccine. And so when we look at that, we can really tell that Moderna, the people at Moderna at least have enough ethics to come up with an excuse. So they've got an excuse for for not having a, vi- a vaccine out, but that's because their own dad is probably telling them that it's not safe. Does that make sense? And, yeah, that's, and that's scary. And that's scary to know, right? Because well, you know, force people to take this vaccine maybe. Yeah. But re- you got to remember these are for profit companies. And if our retirement benefits and I, I get it, I mean, that's, Moderna's worth tens of billions of dollars at one point, like $60 billion in stock price. So I I can understand why they don't want to be candid about the failings of their own vaccine. And Moderna keeps a lot of its information proprietary, secret. So I don't think you're going to see a Moderna distributed. I think that's a a bunch of hot air. I think right now, Pfizer, I think Pfizer this month will probably get permission from the CDC to inoculate people that are high risk of death and that have short life expectancies. And that's because the CDC recognizes 
that we don't know the medium and long-term side effects. And uh, that's, that's certainly prudent. So I think that right now we don't have a big vaccine choice. Thank goodness there is some restraint by CDC about allowing these other vaccines out. So right now, if you're middle-aged, the only vaccine that you could get that would protect you from spreading it with, with 99% accuracy is to get inoculation to your intestines. And that same inoculation to your intestines would also be about, about 99% effective at preventing not, not just death of the person, but at having severe side effects. We don't see severe side effects in people who take inoculation, which is, you know, when you get the, when fi when you get the Pfizer shot in your arm, it's not a walk in the park. Apparently these people uh, get fever and some chills, they get some body aches. It's not like getting a flu shot, especially for people that have a more active immune system. So some of the worst immune reactions are gonna be in the younger people. Older people with real sluggish immune system, they, they barely wake up when you, when you give them something in their arm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the Pfizer vaccine is gonna have a limited application in a, in a select crowd. I think that's what you're going to see. Well, Mark, uh, Operation Warp Speed rejected oral coronavirus inoculation based on something about animal studies with animals like chickens infected with coronavirus. And they think, well, it's in their intestine, in their feces, and it could be a problem. What do you say about that? You know, when, when the coronavirus epidemic came out, you remember uh, Donald Trump met and he said, hey, we're going to have it specially managed Operation Warp Speed by the military. And then he, the, the military didn't have, they had to turn to experts in the field of virology. And one of the things you'd try to do is, we know that coronaviruses as a group do infect the intestinal tracts of animals, all kinds of animals. And in most cases, they're very mild. The exception to that, to coronaviruses being mild in animals is in chickens raised in chicken houses. Uh, I'm not a big fan of how they raise chickens in chicken houses. They, they pack them together side by side, uh, tens of thousands in, in a small amount of area as possible the food mixes with stool. And so the, the stool ha that has the virus is mixing with their food and they're all kicking it up in the air. And so they can actually aerosolize it and then inhale it in the chicken, in the chicken factory. But what happens with humans is real different. We're, we're, we're not barnyard animals. We're clean human beings. And no matter which society you look at around the world, I've not seen anybody in any culture anywhere who packs themselves tightly into a room where they mix their stool with feces and throw it in the air. But unfortunately, that's the life of a chicken and in a modern chicken house. And I, I thank God um, humans are not that way. 
So we don't see stool to respiratory transfer in humans. Now, the argument actually came up that, oh, my goodness, we can't encourage oral inoculation because it might infect all these people out in the public. Well, guess what? That doesn't happen. There's not one case of people getting a respiratory version because somebody's having it in their intestines. It's never happened. Never been documented despite tens of millions of cases. And that is, that's, uh, so that was a rationale for not using the live coronavirus. That was probably the strongest rationale. And it was a false, it was a false argument that really, had it been openly debated, that would have been shot down. I had actually presented, I had asked to present to Operation Warp Speed. They had said, oh, guess what? But you know, Operation Warp Speed, who had their ear, were the big corporate people. The big people at corporate that, get, that pay the lobbyists, they're the people who get heard first. Money talks. And in our society, money talks louder than the truth. Sometimes the answers are so simple that guess what? If nobody's going to get rich at it, if nobody's going to get a big paycheck, that truth will get drowned out. That truth won't be spoken so that the other people who make lots of money, who claim to be quote, quote, experts, so that they can have their time. And that's what we've had. We've had nine months. Actually, we've, this started, what, 10 months, almost 10 months of them not being a effective vaccine that is safe and effective for the vast majority of people. We see some vaccines coming out now that are going to be more widespread. I think you'll see the um, adenovirus vaccines that have the spike, that have the spike protein. I think you're going to see a lot of those. Uh, and those tend to be safer than the messenger RNA. You're going to see some countries doing that. But by far, still, the safest player was still the oral gut inoculation using a live coronavirus. And that is really what, what they ignored based on financial and political reasons. Mark, I wanted to mention the fact that uh, there is a safe drug, an effective drug, that the spin has been totally against, and that is hydroxychloroquine. One of the uh, epidemiologists at uh, Yale said that if doctors were allowed to prescribe hydroxychloroquine to all the patients that had uh, coronavirus early on, that we would wipe out the epidemic in a month. But why is it that nobody is willing to give our people a chance when there is good evidence that is safe, good evidence that's effective, and is the only reason because hydroxychloroquine may cost $12 for a treatment and some of the uh, big pharma drugs might cost $1,200 for a treatment? You know, here's a problem that we have in the American scientific community. Once the money begins to influence the decision makers, you can't, it becomes very difficult to find the truth. 
we don't have any laws that prohibit somebody working at the CDC or FDA from flipping over and after that and retiring or else moving straight from their government job straight over to industry. And that actually happens. So we don't have real clear ethical boundaries in the U.S. academic slash scientific industry. They blend together. The profit making and the scientific all gets make, mixed together in this big culture that as long as everybody's making money hand over fist, the, the, the big information will get controlled by those people. And we've seen that. We've seen that throughout this COVID epidemic. More money, enormous amount of money is slung at these issues based on politics, based on not but really based on science. Even if you look at the mask issue, look at the mask issue. We had a study come out. You, you mentioned that to me, the Danish study. Yeah. That masks are no more effective than no mask. And yet that got argued. How long did that get argued? That went on for what, 10, 10 months? And now still, if you don't wear a mask, you're, you're considered politically inappropriate. And if you, if you look at the politicians who do wear a mask, you'll see that every Democrat wears a mask when he's photoed, and many of the Republicans won't. These things wind up being split right along political lines. And the, the problem is, is that we don't have clear boundaries between the industry and the scientific community. They become mixed together. And then you can't get to the truth because there's bias. Once bias comes in that room, that bias is gonna to start to affect the analysis of information. Remember the thing about, does it spread by an aerosol? It took what? The FDA came out and wanted to treat it like it was a regular respiratory pathogen, like, like flu. They, they wanted to deny that it's an aerosol for what? 10 months, then finally, oh, by the way, yes, we, we will mention that it's, it is an aerosol. These are things that are based on political needs. And when people's health is at risk, that's sad. It's sad, uh, but you know, that really goes back into medicine. I remember, do you remember practicing when they'd send the drug reps around to the doctor's office? They'd, they'd buy the staff a bunch of food or pay for a dinner. They try to tell them, come up with some, some good information and say, hey, prescribe our drug. They would try to influence the physicians any which way possible. A lot of times it was monetary. We forbade that now there are laws that prevent that. We haven't done those laws for the CDC and FDA. We should have had very, very strict laws that, that you can't use any type of financial incentives to influence somebody from the CDC or FDA. We don't have them. And that, that's why we have, that's why it's very difficult to get to the bottom, to get to the accurate truth on a lot of issues. Well, this program is about a plan that is better than the current plan using RNA vaccines. And that's a plan that you researched and you- Yes, that's exactly right. I was. It was ironic um, that I was probably the first human being to ever deliberately infect themselves 
with an oral, live oral agent. However, now we see a company called Vaxart, V-A-X-A-R-T, and they are advocating an oral COVID vaccine that will be inexpensive. And one of the things I like about the Vaxart program is it's going to be an oral. They chose adenovirus as their carrier as their carrier virus. It's going to be an adenovirus with a that it will encode the spike protein, and that will be swallowed orally, and that will stimulate the mucosal defense. But if you go to the Vaxart website, many of the things that I talked about five six months ago are actually the same ideas that Vaxart is promoting, taking an oral vaccine to protect your mucosa, that you'll have a robust protection of the surface of your lungs. You will not transmit and you will have very low side effects. Now, this is funny. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's not funny. It's probably tragic. Uh, I was very, I did that before Vaxart and I wanted to present to uh, Operation Warp Speed. I had actually sent them emails, but they never would schedule the, the, the final presentation. And I was considered a little bit of a crackpot, too aggressive, uh, too, um, he won't go along with the mainstream. They wouldn't even let me present because part of them understood that if I was right, then a lot of them were wrong. And the less evidence of that they had, the better off they'd be. But Vaxart hasn't done a single human study. So the best vaccine right now that any for-profit vaccine company came out with would, in my opinion, be Vaxart. They haven't done a single study on humans. That's awful because they had the best product. And yet they're one of the last people to even move forward and get human tested. But then there was Pfizer who did messenger RNA. And that's what the first one that's gonna roll out this month. Pfizer had no knowledge of what the medium and long-term risk of the RNA vaccines are. And they're gonna confine it right now initially to their high risk patients in the US. and thank God they are reducing who they give it to. But by far, if I had to choose anybody, it should have been Vaxart that got to go ahead to do human testing. But if you're not politically connected, you don't get the money, you don't get the attention. And proof of that is right there in the Pfizer vaccine. You know, Pfizer actually did not develop their messenger RNA vaccine. They got it from a German company. I think it's a bio something. They got it from a subsidiary company. Pfizer likely went to the German company and said, look, if you don't play with us, with our political pull, with our, we got the political grease to make it happen, and we'll give you a small amount of the profits, maybe 10, 20% on the dollar, you'll see that the people who actually invented the messenger RNA of the Pfizer, they don't get the lion's share of the profits. They don't get the lion's share of the revenue. Instead, the revenue will go to the middlemen, 
which are Pfizer, who will have the connections down there at the CDC to make it happen. So really you get into, there are lots of smart people in the United States, some very dedicated people in different fields. And America has some great minds and they're great minds around the world. But that alone won't get you past all these layers of red tape to get your idea moving forward. If you don't have the right political grease, the connections. Exactly. They try to. Yes. And that's the way things roll. I mean, it's big money. It's big money. We talked about just based on yes. the, the price of what uh, HCQ costs compared to what they're treating people. That's with. right. And it's about, and you know, if yeah. you're right, Neil, I mean, if, if hydro, hydro, hydroxychloroquine had cost a thousand dollars a week, they would have their whole legal political grease machine working this, working this DC, but that's not going to, you know, guess what? That's that, that ain't going to happen. And, um, not political, it's you know, money. It, it's both it's sides. About the money. It's money. That's right. Money talks at the yeah. end of the day. I mean, the shutdown is going to help the stock market go for certain stocks. Go ahead, buy Walmart now, buy Target now, buy Zoom now, buy everything online, buy tech, and don't and know that because these small businesses and restaurants. So basically, if you have a lot of money, you can make a lot more money because you pretty much have to know the prediction the next six months what the economy is going to do. That's it. You got it. So, it's about, so, yeah. So, Mark, uh, we've done programs with you before where you've told about your uh, intestinal inoculation, and they can go back and, and listen to that. But can you give the people who are listening today the skinny on how that could be accomplished uh, today? Yes. You know, there are some difficulties with getting access. Let's say if you're in the same household. Actually, you are. Neil, uh, you mentioned your wife. Yes, yeah, she tested might. positive, right? No, she's not tested positive. Okay. She's about to go get a test, but we're all in the same house. And it's like, but we're going to do a fast acting test instead of wait three okay. days. Yeah. That's right. You know, if your wife is positive, and if she wears a face mask, if she's positive, then that means that antigen is being blown up, vibrated off her, her lungs and blown up into her mouth and nose. And the, and the nasal swab or the PCR will pick up either the, the antigen or else in a PCR test, it'll pick up some of the messenger RNA, which would be a, a nucleic acid test. Uh, to check and see, is it blowing up to her mouth? Now, she may be actually, is, she may actually be asymptomatic. We won't use her first name. Is she having any symptoms? No, she just has certain symptoms of uh, no, no taste, no yeah, smell, I, body aches, but yes. no fever. Yeah. I would say that with that lack, with that lack of um, smell, she's definitely, that would probably be a dead, I mean, it is highly likely. That she's infected and because usually that is a very strange symptom ordinary people just don't get a sudden loss of smell like you get with the uh, coronavirus infection and so she's probably going to be infected now will her pcr 
turned positive. It may not have turned positive yet. It may be in a few days or may have already turned positive and she just hadn't, didn't pick it up at the right time. So there's probably a lot more exposure out there in the community than we really even know about. This is, there's a tremendous, but, but, but yes. we can probably burn it out as you talked about on another That's program it. in February or March, because right. we're not going to follow the rules regardless of what they're doing. That's right. So, so Neil, when you're there with your wife, you know, y'all have, I assume y'all have been married, what, five years? 20, uh, 20, years? 20, 25, 20 plus years. But here's the thing, um, Mark, and this is the big point is, again, we social distance at this point and different times, craziness with kids and all that stuff. But my, my take in all this is that uh, the people that are, we really need to do better studies on the number of people that really severely go to the hospital. And we need to protect those people. And that's not, not, not shut down the economy. And that's, that's what right. President Trump was trying to do. But now with the flu, everyone has flu symptoms too. And we, and we know, so there's just so much oh. to go on, but it's going to be awful in many ways. Uh, and the vaccine might not do it as your prediction is Dr. Mark, it might not do it. So we'll have to find out. But what you're saying is basically her wearing a mask. If, if she does test positive or, or tries to quarantine, it's too late. It's already been spread. Everyone could be infected. There's really nothing that we could do. Well, Mark, much. in this particular case, if she's positive, what can they do inside their home to... You know, if your spouse is positive, uh, you can take their mask off if they're speaking and actually wash their mask off and use it like a tea. If any of that virus is in that mask, it's water soluble. It'll come right out into the water and you can actually drink it. You don't damage yourself by exposing that virus to your intestinal tract. Now in uh, other countries, you can actually, if you're a physician or a medical person or a university academic institution, you could actually culture the virus and you could put it in frozen capsules to give it out to people. And that is really something that could be done in most countries of the world inexpensively. And because this is heard around the world, that is a very important low cost option for people in countries around the world is to take the virus, culture it, grow it, and put it in a, a frozen capsule and swallow it in an enteric coated capsule. Uh, and that is, that is probably the safest, best vaccine or actually inoculation out there. So yes, these are, these are doable things. These are not, you can actually, if you look at a culture of that, that virus, you can increase the number of live virus particles a thousandfold in 12 hours. That means that in three or four days, you could go from a thousand virus particles to trillions and trillions of them. So it's, it's easy to grow under the right conditions. And those conditions are actually published at the CDC. I'll probably put them up on my website. I, of course, you know, I don't encourage anybody who, one of the fears is that if you have live virus and people that are not ethical, they'll use it for some sort of bioterrorism. I wouldn't have a problem helping somebody who is a physician from another country. I wouldn't want people without any knowledge of uh, uh, virus or without clean 
I wouldn't want somebody who intends to harm other people to ever get grow billions or trillions of virus. That that would not be a good idea. So, uh, but should that be available, that's still the best, safest method. We know that at least 60 million cases, and that's proven 60, there's probably eight times that, or 480 million people worldwide have been infected and have some degree of IgA protection. Almost all those people are getting their mucosal defense from mucosal exposure. So we know it's very safe to, to expose to your mucosa as long as you're not inhaling. So, you know, once again, it's very much like water. Water is safe to drink, it's safe to swallow, it's safe to put in our food and swallow our food that has water, but we don't inhale water. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to inhale that virus all the way down to our alveolus. Okay. Okay. Well, great. Uh, thanks for being on our show today, uh, Mark. Uh, you always deliver. Well, it's great to be with y'all. Right. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. Very good show. Again, it was a great simulcast of your, um, of uh, Freedom of Prediction, Truth Just Below the Surface, and the Neil Haley Show. And take care, everybody.